Good afternoon. It's Chickie Fitzgerald. It's Friday, May 10th, 2013, and it is a glorious, sunny, albeit very hot day here in Florida. And you have joined the Executive Girlfriends Group. Uh, We do not limit our audience just to women, but we do target uh, our guests uh, for individuals that we know their message will be really, really well received by executive women, and, and that is who our target is. And our guest today is uh, just a dear, dear friend and someone who I have interviewed many times before on different shows. Uh, I would love to introduce you today to the author of A Softer Strength, The Six Characteristics of a Powerful Woman of God, Dondi Scamacci. Dondi, welcome. Thank you so much, Chickie. How are you? I am doing just great. I think the last time we talked... Uh, was either about Ready, Set, Grow or Design for Success. I don't remember which one. I think we've talked about both of them. We have. We've had a couple of really wonderful, energizing conversations. It's always a pleasure. Well, you know, in the past, Dondi, and you have a a plethora of books, uh, one called Career Moves, How to Plan for Success, Create Value for Your Organization, and Make Yourself Indispensable, And, you know, these books have all been uh, very much geared toward uh, executive women, business women, and, uh, you know, certainly men can can, uh, also garner uh, some wisdom from them as well. But this one is is different, and you're not different because you have have had this as the backdrop to all of the writing that you've done uh, in the past. But this book is very, very overtly uh, about the spiritual side of life. It is, uh, and, and it takes the, for example, the design for success, some of those principles that were really geared towards that corporate experience and being powerful and effective and kind of finding your style and using your approach. And certainly through design for success, there was that woven tapestry of faith. I mean, it was, you would certainly uh, be able to see where I was coming from on that. But softer strength is really just that message that says, Designed for success uh, for women of God. So how do you take your message and how do you carry that message at home, in the community, in your, in your volunteerism, in your church? And how do you use those, what have typically been reserved for those corporate skills, to just be a really effective woman? Right. Right. And and Dondi, tell us a little bit about about you and and what it is, uh, what's your day job? I mean, uh obviously you're a prolific author, but uh you know, writing writing and releasing a book a, a year or a book every 2 years is is uh <clears throat> it's time consuming, but it's not the full-time job. So, what what do you do with your day? You know, I my, I am I'm, I'm sort of uh, in a, a unfolding like we all are. I think all I most of the the women that I know and in the workforce, entrepreneurs, they're unfolding and they're kind of discovering their next opportunities. And what my day job is, I'm an international performance consultant and a full-time speaker. So I travel full-time and I really focus on the topics of 
just that personal excellence and, and really uh, how to create cultures of, with organizations where the culture is empowered and the people are engaged. And really what that has been spinning off into is mentoring. And it's a, it is a, the, the whole concept of uh, developing cultures that are mentoring cultures. And so really I design mentoring communities for the Fortune 100. And uh, my books are also mentoring tools as well. So you know, they fit nicely with my message. And a lot of the times when I'm working with the mentoring communities, the books kind of become a backdrop. So everything fits nicely. Uh, but but there have been some surprises along the way, right? I didn't start out to be a mentoring thought leader or a mentoring designer. Uh, my books kind of um, opened some of those doors, and then those doors uh, really became the focus, and, it, and, and the books were catalysts for that. So some days I tell people I'm an author who speaks, and some days I tell people I'm a speaker who writes. <laughs> But but every day you are a powerful woman of God. So let's dive in to uh, into the book and and let's talk a little bit about uh, what you mean by the softer strength. And and you start the book uh, addressing something that that we as women talk about a lot, uh, certainly here on the Executive Girlfriends Group, and and that is is the fact that. Uh, there has been a glass ceiling, but you start off your book saying, what glass ceiling? Right. I think we can get so focused on that perceived barrier. And honestly, I have met a lot of women in, in my experience that want to believe some of their setbacks and their and their uh, disappointments or maybe some of the stalls in their career had to do with this, you know, this glass ceiling that somehow was blocking them. And as I worked with them, what I found out was it really wasn't a glass ceiling at all. It was their approach. And so I, I, my concern is that sometimes we can sort of step back and say, well, I didn't get that raise because of the glass ceiling, or I didn't get that promotion, or I wasn't considered because of the glass ceiling. And my problem with that is we better be looking in the mirror first before we look out that window or look for that glass ceiling, right, and, and, and attribute any of our disappointments in, in life or our career to that. Because I certainly know a lot of women who have very successfully um, shattered that or have broken through it, or at the very least, uh, were, they were aware of it. I, I, I know it's there. It's a reality. I work in a male-dominated industry, for example. I hear women say sometimes, but I'm not going to allow that to become uh, my excuse or a barrier. I'm going to really focus on it. It kind of comes back to that that evergreen message. I'm going to continue to focus on the value that I drive. My influence comes from the inside out. I am favored by God, and there is no glass ceiling that can be more powerful than that. So I have to be willing to be very in tune to um, that voice, right, and really be walking in that way, hold myself accountable, pray for the favor of God, and pray that those rules will be broken on my behalf and exceptions will be made for me, and being fully, fully sure that they will be. Uh, and I think that at, at some point when you're walking um, in that kind of faith, in that kind of I, I guess just a, in a, a confidence in who who you are. Uh, the glass ceiling looks a little silly. Well, and I really love how you articulate that because what what you talked about, and sometimes um, you know, as uh, Christians, we use language that um, that isn't meaningful if you haven't experienced it, right? And I, I think fav- the favor of God is one of those things. And I live in the favor of God because 
all of those things that you described, rules being broken, you know, and you'll have to go through that list for us again. That's the <laughs> definition. To mm-hmm. me, that's the definition of the favor. And, you know, you are so right about if we haven't experienced it, if we haven't tasted that, then it might sound really beautiful. And but But until you walk in that, and I only want to share something that happened recently to me that that was just profound um, about this this whole point of the favor of God and its you know rules are broken on my half uh, policies are changed exceptions are made because of who I am uh, and, and I, I, my, I lost my father this year Chicky and, and he was my best friend it was a really it was a really um, long slow walk home for him and mm-hmm. he is in a beautiful place and I celebrate that but when he passed um, I was with him. And I remember just feeling, and there were so many people praying for us and for him and just for our peace, and and it was time for him to go home and receive, you know, all of his prayers were answered on the other side, right? His healing did arrive. It just didn't right. arrive here. But I remember having this sense in the, in the deepest part of my spirit, like never before, that God was going to take care of everything. It was a the middle of winter in the Pacific Northwest in the in the mountains, right? Um, there's people trying to travel. There's treacherous roads, mountain passes. There's all of the details, and I just walked through that with my mom, who's an, an amazing woman of God herself, my spiritual mentor. But I just walked through that knowing that God was going to take care of everything. That I did not need to worry about anything. None of the details. Everything would just fall into place. He would clear the road. He would make the planes take off. He would, you know, he would just manage the schedule and the logistics and the details of all of these people coming in, and he did. Now, after all of that was done, and I just kept saying, God is going to take care of it. God is going to take care of it. I have no doubt. And I didn't. I just knew. For the first time maybe in a long time, I just knew I had this incredible peace, that peace that surpasses, right? Well, when it was all over and I was sitting in my office, I'm back in San Antonio, and I was talking to the Lord, and I said, you know, I know that I can't live the rest of my life in the shadow here of your wings and being totally you know, shielded and insulated from the realities of life. I know that life is going to start happening to me again, and I know that I've got to, like, you know, I've got to put my big girl panties on here very soon, but I'm just not ready, and I'm just asking that I could have a little more time of this kind of peace and confidence. And you know what, Chicky? It was almost immediate. I knew in my spirit it was this was not intended ever to be a temporary condition. This is how you're to live your life. Right. And now you know what it feels like. Right. And I thought, okay, I'm going to hold on to that. Through my father's death, I really discovered in a very authentic way what the favor of God looks like, feels like, and sounds like. And whenever I'm walking into a situation where I might want to operate from a place of fear, where I'm intimidated, or uh, you know, there's there's stress in the situation, or I might not feel as prepared as I'd like to be, or I'm surrounded by you know brainiac people that are so smart, I'm wondering who am I? I feel a little bit like Moses. Who am I to be talking to these oh. people? I just walk in there knowing, you know what. This moment is ordained by God. It is an appointment that he has created. I walk in his anointing. And you know what? Even if I mess it up, he has the ability to manage my message. He Uh, has the ability to... So, so right. I I had a a situation about two months ago. I was, um, I run a large hotel website for an investor and um, they had lost their Better Business Bureau ranking. 
and it it was completely unfair and and uh, you know I needed to go before their board but the day I was supposed to go before the board on the way to school I'm snapping at my children I mean I was just I was just on edge I was everything the opposite of a powerful woman <laughs> Uh, and as as my son got out, I mean, I could just see the look in his eyes because I mean, I was I I was almost mean uh, that morning, and I, and that doesn't happen very often. But that day, I, I and it was all because I was so agitated about you know that I was going to be driving down to Clearwater to go to this meeting, and uh, my best friend called me and reminded me of who I am, and mm-hmm. and we uh, she's the worship team leader at my church, and we sing a song that that is remind me who I am. And 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 I hung up from talking to her, and I thought, you know what, I, I I do know who I am. I'm a child of God, and I can walk into this meeting completely and totally confident that I also knew, know who I am in my industry. I know why I can speak with authority. And don't you know, I went in there, and not only did I get them to reinstate it, but I had them reinstate it back up to the A-minus rating that we had had when we – uh, first paid to be a part of the Better Business Bureau, which and is that is the favor of for God. <laughs> oh yeah, but but I mean the favor wasn't just the outcome. The favor was uh, what happened in my inner dialogue. And I you know you're right. The, term, the, the, the outcome, the result that the you know the the result that you achieved was was the result of the favor, right? I mean it was right. walking in that knowledge. And also, I love what you said about. I love how you said, I am, a, I am in my industry. You are equipped. We are equipped, right. uh, and you are. I mean, I, and I think and I love that story too, Chicky, because sometimes I think we look at people like you, and, I, and people have told me they look at people like me, and they think you never have those days where your confidence <laughs> isn't, you know, five-star or that you're walking into a situation that might be intimidating. And I laugh. It's like, are you kidding me? It happens to me regularly. <laughs> And I think that that authenticity is something, you know, when we talk about managing messages. I, I think that manage, you know, I, I, I wish that I would have included in Softer Strengths that, that sub-note sub that says as you try to manage your message and you work with the realities of business and women in business, understand that God is perfectly able to promote you. God is perfectly able to manage your message, and he is able to cause you to be seen the way he wants you to be seen, even if you walk away thinking, ooh, I forgot my main point, or I, I, did that make sense, or I wasn't, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't at the top of my game. God is perfectly able to compensate for and come in and, and create the outcome that he wants because we're willing, um, and we also give him that, that glory and we give him that, that recognition. I, I, so I wish that I would have included in softer strength, by the way, as you're managing your message and you're walking into those scenarios where the glass ceiling might be you know, you know, really uh, uh, obvious over your head, just know that you serve a really big God who's in charge of the glass ceiling too, right? Um, and he is also in charge of the message. And that gives you, takes a little bit of that pressure off. But I also love in your story just the authenticity, because I think that that is one of the most powerful things as we manage our message is the ability to be authentic with each other. And the fact that you have a friend who would call you and have the sort of that, um, I guess, the, the sense, right, that that sense that you needed to hear that in this moment and that she was willing to be to carry that message and remind you who you are. Right. I think that, we, I think that the, the most powerful women that I know have surrounded themselves by people who are walking in that kind of favor and anointing, and they're also very sensitive to those 
to those directives, right? So when we get that little sense that we need to pick up the phone, we do it uh, because there's a reason for that. There's something that's, that is that is that is essential that's going on. So I've often said, you know, who we grow next to will change us. So we should be very particular about who we grow next to. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I also want to stress, because I know we will have people listening, that, that some of this does sound a bit foreign. And, and you know, perhaps uh, our listeners have gone to church their whole life or they're the kind that go to church on Christmas and Easter or perhaps not at all. And and that these principles aren't uh, principles that, that you can't reach out and grasp because God's love and his power is, is a gift, and we don't do anything to earn that gift. And, you know, like I think sometimes coming from that place of, of uh, I guess I, I want to say that that, na- that naive child, like I don't, get that place like a, if there's a, a women that are listening saying I've never experienced that I don't I don't really that's a little foreign to me I think that God loves that because I I don't think God is overly impressed with super spiritual right um and religion I I think that he is really interested in heart and and that authenticity and that desire uh, to just listen and hear and move in, in, and move in that direction and experience that favor I think those are prayers he loves to answer yeah, I, I absolutely know that that's true. And in my own life and in the mentoring that I do, uh, uh, primarily of, of CEOs, uh, I've got one, one CEO that I'm working with right now, and I you know, told her that it's just this simple. It's being able to pray for peace and clarity of vision no matter where you are, no matter mm-hmm. whether it's in a place of chaos, a place of heartbreak like you were you know, in, in the loss of your father, all of those things. And so she called me yesterday and she said, Chicky, I have to tell you what happened. And I said, well, you know what? And and I, I actually expected something completely different than what she came out with. But she said, I got a call this day. And she said, you remember that today is the day that I no longer have someone in this really critical role that I need. Her brother-in-law had, had filled it, and he had just resigned two weeks ago. And yesterday was his first day of not being on the job. And she got a call from a guy, and he said, um, yeah, I'm, I'm responding to your request for a person in this role. And she said, well, I, I didn't make that request. She said, I got an email from you right here. And she's like, no, I didn't write you an email. And he said, no, really, I'm looking right at it, and, and I'm going to send it to you. Well, she had sent it in 2011. And oh, my goodness. And this guy yesterday. And and she and that's said, where that that's where my missing emails are. <laughs> 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 they're waiting for they're waiting for the right timing. Oh, oh that is such a great story. But she said, I just knew then that that's what you were talking about that peace and clarity of vision that you really don't have to worry because it does all fall. It in all place. works out. So let's, let's go to the book, Dundee, because I, you know, I, I want to make sure that we touch the chapters because they're so so powerful, and we've already been alluding to this first one, and and that is uh, about you, you had mentioned that this all comes from the inside out. It's not something that you can learn from the outside in. But chapter one is soften your inner dialogue, and you open with Philippians four eight. You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble. Reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things mm-hmm. to praise, not things to curse. Talk to mm-hmm. us about softening your inner dialogue. 
You know, women have uh, the ability to be so nurturing to others and then to be so critical and hard on themselves. And from the inside out means that it's very difficult for us to uh, beat ourselves up from the inside out and then carry that confidence that we're going to need out into our roles as mothers and daughters and women of God and executives and and professionals. So the idea is that in a world that is chaotic and in a world that has a lot of noise going on, it is really what am I I meditating on and, and, and how... Uh, I think you, you first it happens as a thought, and then those thoughts kind of settle down into beliefs, and then those beliefs turn into actions, and those actions then begat results, right? So if I don't like the results I'm getting, I really counsel them to go back to what are you believing in that situation? So in that meeting or in that presentation or on that project or with that coworker, what are you believing? Because the belief comes before the action, and the action comes before the result. And we can kind of weave back through and we can soften that message to say, am I, am I speaking to myself in a way that is edifying so that I'm not tearing myself down from the outside or the inside out, right? Uh, I'll give you an example. There was a woman that I was, uh, that I was coaching around a presentation and uh, she was so afraid of, of speaking in front of people. And, and that, that is a common fear. Uh, people, you know, speaking in front of a group, um, and she was saying things like, you know, I might just throw up, you know, I might just throw up. I'll forget what I'm going to say, and she all of you know, I can't, I, I can't speak in front of a group. I'm not, I'm not good at it. I've never been good at it. I've never been comfortable. And she was just practicing the catastrophe. She was rehearsing failure. And so when we kind of unwound that and said, all right, let's go back and and, and really you could put it into two biblical terms. Let's talk. What, what did God say? And, you know, Moses was also not not very comfortable in front of crowds, right? Who am I? Who am I? So softening that inner message means to make sure that what we're thinking on, what we're focusing on, looking for um, those opportunities to to um, focus on what is right, what is beautiful, what is uh, what is what is powerful, what is positive. And it doesn't mean that we are doesn't mean that we are naive about the world, but it means that we're not focusing on that. So I can be informed, not afraid, and I can be, and I can be, um, uh, I can have accurate self-appraisal without beating myself up. So it's the way we talk to ourselves that actually becomes the way we talk about ourselves, which becomes what other people believe of us, right? And then what they look for in us. So if I if I announce, for example, that I'm terrible speaking in front of a group, you're going to notice everything that I do in that moment that's nervous, right? Um, that's going to become your focus. I could have a lot of really great points, um, but you're going to be focused on how I presented myself because we do kind of we we do give cues about what we want people to look for in us, right? So what I say to myself becomes what I say about myself. It becomes what others believe about me and what they look for in their interactions. Um, with me, so that I can, if I know that, then I can say, uh, and it's a prayer that I actually say, God help me to present myself so that they see in me what you would have them see, and and even more than that, let them see in me what what they need to see, what and to hear the message that they need to hear. Let me be that tuned in, but it starts from the way I talk to myself, uh, and, and and it kind of builds out from there. And then there are things that you do need to do to empower and equip yourself. And, you know, as, as women, we don't always use that word equipping. You know, it, that that my son had a football game last night, and, of course, in getting ready, he had 
he had this mouthpiece that he actually had to boil before he left. And it's like, I I don't know anything about equipping myself to go out and play football, right? But he knows, and thank God he knew because he was equipped when he arrived right. in the field. So so how do we learn um, about getting empowered? And I think empowerment is a word that everybody's uh, comfortable with. But equipping is actually a word that, that is part of, of God's dialogue. Uh, and, and you bring out Hebrews 13.21, which is, May God equip you with all you need for doing his will. And may he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. And I will say, and Dondi, we were having this conversation before we got on the air, that quite often when we talk about God doing things for us, all we think about is the spiritual side. But I can tell you and and tell our listeners that every single thing I do in my business, uh, I am equipped for by him. And, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't take credit for any of that because... Uh, I mean, I could, but it wouldn't do any good any more than, you know, like if somebody gives you a beautiful sweater for Christmas that you take credit for knitting it. You know, I mean, that, right. <laughs> that to me seems really silly. But but the fact of the matter is that that we're talking about the integrated power of God in, in our lives and not just that spiritual piece, right? Mm. Oh, yes. I think that's a good way of putting it, that that uh, uh, God empowers me to accomplish amazing things. And, you know, I wanted to share with you as you were talking, uh, there was a young woman who called me uh, a year ago, and she uh, wanted to go on a mission, like with uh, YWAM or one of those organizations, right? right? And she was, uh, this is a huge step for her, and it was a big risk. And by the way, I like it when when God kind of pushes us out of our comfort zone a little bit and, and, and lays some of those those interests on our heart, and it represents us having to reach, right, and it, and, and, and practice something new and trust him completely, and that's she was doing all of that. But she said to me something interesting. She said, um, I want you to pray. I, I wanted your advice on this about um, if I should go, and, and, and then if I decide to go, then I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to need some advice on how to raise the funds and that kind of thing. And I just thought you'd be a good mentor as I work on this project, but mostly before we get started on any of that, I want to make sure that I'm in the will of God. And I said, you know what, sometimes, and I, I would certainly pray for her, but sometimes God just lets us do really cool things. Sometimes we just get to do really cool things. And I believe that. I believe that sometimes in our professional and our personal lives, God will set before us an opportunity, something that will give us great joy, and he will have purpose in it, and he will make something amazing with with that as we trust him. But I also believe that sometimes God just blesses us with really wonderful opportunities. And he empowers us, you know, with the authority or, uh, you know, the the, uh, opportunity, uh, you know, to, to kind of step out, and if we'll reach for that and trust him wholly, and then sometimes within the situation we will be equipped, right? I, we've all probably heard it said, uh, you know, God will not bring you to anything that he's not going to bring you through, right? He's going right. to bring you to something that he's not going to equip you for. So equipping is really about, uh, it speaks more to uh, tools, information, skills, and even confidence, um, we are equipped when we, um, we God has empowered us in our lives to go do amazing, fabulous things. 
And then he equips us sometimes in real time uh, with practice and with the skills, with the information, right? Even technology can be amazing for us. So in that, that equipping means that I'm, I guess I'm mindful of the resources around me. And I know that God is an amazing resource manager too. If he uh, authorizes a project, it will be fully funded and endorsed, right? Um, you, you can walk in that kind of confidence. I think equipping also is, uh, you know, I, I work a lot with in the mentoring programs, I work a lot with uh, people who are trying to find and, and use their strengths. You know, people love to, you know, explore their strengths. There's lots of tools out there that you can do that with. And uh, what, I'm, what I'm learning is that, you know, we are given strengths. There's God-given talents and abilities and interests that he plants inside of us. Uh, but they don't come, batteries included. We have to open our gifts, and we have to operate in those, and we have to be willing to start um, like a child and pull our gifts out and use them and practice them and grow them. So just because I'm gifted doesn't mean that I'm operating in that gift. It doesn't mean that I am using that gift and that, that, I've, that, that, I am, that, I've, that I've reached my capability. So God has equipped me with some innate talents, and then he has empowered me through situations to pull those gifts out and to use them. And I think that he takes, I I truly believe that God takes great delight in watching us open our gifts. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's so funny, we were talking uh, earlier about, um, you know, how, how people see us. And, and how we operate in those gifts. And this next chapter is about increasing your emotional intelligence. And uh, I had an experience, uh, well, actually a couple of them in the course of the last couple of weeks uh, through things that were going on at my kid's school or in my neighborhood, and um, where, where I actually felt like completely invisible because emotionally when I'm out in a crowd, I unless I'm on the podium I, and I am totally fine speaking to 500 people but when I'm in, when I'm at a party or at a, a, an event at the kids school all of a sudden I feel completely invisible and you know I obviously on on my radio shows every week I do two radio shows a week I feel comfortable you know talking about myself and the you know the good the bad and the ugly and and we do garner strength from exposing our weaknesses and again that's completely counterintuitive you you would not include that in the six characteristics of being a powerful woman of god but it's actually (laughs) a really big one so how how do we become more aware of what's going on inside maybe we should start even with a definition of of what is emotional intelligence you know awareness is a great definition and there's a there's a lot of you know the 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 iq that we have you know our intelligence quotient um, uh, i understand that what you're born with you is that's what you get. Those are the cards that you've been dealt, right? Uh, uh, but EQ, um, emotional quotient, is that that, that uh, awareness. I'm aware of me. I'm aware of you. I'm uh, situationally aware. I'm aware of the moment that I'm in. Maybe even some anticipatory awareness. I'm, I, I can kind of see what's coming. Um, there's a wisdom to that, and I pray for that wisdom every day, that God will help me see what's coming so that I can serve my clients well, that I can that I can be that watch person on the wall that says we, we've got to get ready, we've got to gear up, 
Um, and and he does answer that prayer. Right? You know, he's faithful to give us that wisdom if we ask. It's that in, it's that internal wisdom. Help me understand um, um, the effect, for example, that I'm having on other people as I watch my approaches. Am I are my approaches inspiring collaboration or are they uh, uh, cooperation or resistance? I mean, I think there's feedback all around us. Sometimes it's spoken and sometimes it's unspoken. It's in how people respond. And we've all probably uh, encountered people in our life that were, were completely unaware of the impact they were having. You know, that person at the, the dinner party that is saying something that's truly inappropriate and people are horrified and they are the only one that doesn't get it, right? Um, you know, it, it, we've all probably encountered people who have that low awareness so awareness just means am I paying attention to the impact I'm having on people, on results. And I'm a big believer, I'm like you, I'm a big believer in reaching for the feedback. And, and the chapter actually does kind of deal with that. Go get your feedback and, and, and ask those big questions of people that um, that love you and trust that you trust and you can feel comfortable having that with what's working about my approach. What are you know and I like it I like balanced feedback. You know, what is really working about my approach? And what's right. one thing, and this 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 question uh, tends to give people emotional permission to answer you, even if they're a little uncomfortable giving that, that that constructive feedback. What is one thing that I could work on, or think about, or consider that would that would help me be even more effective? Right. So it's all good news. There's it's not that you know here's what I like about you, and here's what's wrong with you. It's you know what's working. What do you see as my greatest strengths, and what's working, and what's one piece of advice that you would give to me, and and then really considering that advice, you know, and, and thinking about how do I kind of put that into play. So emotional intelligence, and by the way, one of the markers of emotional intelligence um, is accurate self-appraisal. And that kind of goes back to that whole managing your message piece that we were talking to, because if I have an outdated self-perception or if I am so hard on myself that it's not even a realistic self-appraisal, that starts to become um, uh, in a, uh, uh, detrimental to me if, I, if, I'm, if I'm always beating myself up. So, for example, if I do a presentation and maybe Maybe, um, and, I, and I have done this to myself, by the way, where I did a presentation and I got lots of great reviews and great feedback, but I wanted to focus on the one thing that didn't work out as well or the one place that seemed a little dry, and I'm going to beat myself up over that one thing that I didn't do well. That's not really all that healthy. I can take that to a factual place and say, you know, I'm going to rework that next time and be very action-oriented with it. But Sometimes I think we beat ourselves up from the inside out, right, um, with our emotional intel. And emotionally intelligent people really manage their feedback in a healthy way. Now, emotional intelligence isn't just aware of yourself. It's also so uh, self-awareness leads to self-management. And then other awareness leads to relationship management. And so those, you know, those are the, the four big elements of, of EQ, if you will. So moving on to Chapter 4, and, and this one is interesting because my first radio show today um, was with uh, someone who is with a, a group called Asking Matters, and, and the book was actually about raising money, how to raise a million or more in 10 bite-sized steps. Um, but this whole thing about asking for what you want uh, is mm. quite often difficult for women. And uh, as I am coaching other uh, women executives, I, I tell them that actually asking men for what you want, that's what they want to have happen. They, they want to be asked. 
So this next chapter, you start out with a story from the book of Ruth uh, about Ruth and, and Boaz. Can, can you just give us a glimpse of that and, and what asking for what you want has to do with this whole issue of being a powerful woman of God? You know, women don't ask, and there's been a lot of uh, conversation uh, around that. Uh, I, I believe that everything is negotiable. We We don't do it very well sometimes, and sometimes women... You know, see negotiation as sort of a, a fight, right? Uh, it's conflict. And, and really, negotiate, if you see things as being negotiable and you learn how to articulate what you need to be successful, um, and you're right, people around us are, are are surprised maybe when we don't do that and they're thinking, I couldn't have read your mind. I was doing a workshop yesterday um, in the uh, San Antonio area and there was a, a woman, an executive for a, a large city here who was talking about the fact that she has a new city manager. And she said, you know, my previous city manager was really communicative and we were partners and very collaborative. And he said, she said the new manager is, his style is much different and I find myself sort of um, in, in the dark about what's going on. He's just not giving me what I need to be, um, to be really a partner to him. And I said, what questions are you asking him? And she just looked at me and with this sort of bizarre sort of question. I said, here's the thing. Everything that you need will not be included in your employee kit. The Calvary is not coming, and you're going to have to be able to articulate what you need to be successful. Sometimes that's time. Sometimes it's information. Sometimes it's people. Uh, you know, But you ha- you're going to have to be able to, to put that in a framework of here's what I need to be successful and then go ask for it. It doesn't mean that we're always going to get what we want, but I do believe that you are absolutely right. If we don't ask, we certainly will not. Um, and there are a lot of people, especially the the, the men in the, in, the, in the room, that are an, expecting that that's just the approach because that's what they would do. I was uh, I was so intrigued by a story that an HR director told me one time about interviewing these uh, candidates for some positions in Canada, and she said that the men would come in and they had all these asks. I mean, they would ask for a certain uh, level of salary. They would ask for a title, a position, a a location, maybe the ability to work uh, virtually. But they had a list of asks, and they were bold about asking them. And the women would just wait to see what the offer was. And she said what was so bizarre to her, so intriguing, was the women were actually more qualified Interesting. You know, so some, giving ourselves permission to ask, and, and sometimes that feels like a little bit of a risk for women. So I would just encourage those listening to this, uh, this telecast to say, you know, uh, what risks should you be taking and how will you take them? What do you need to be more successful and how will you ask for it? Absolutely, and and uh, to get back to the story between Ruth and Boaz, the interesting thing was she she did ask for permission for what she was wanting to do, and Boaz uh, ordered the servants to let her do it, and here's the thing I love: make it easy for her and give her special treatment, and so that there's the favor. <laughs> what we were talking about, yeah, favor is is that it just would not be a struggle. And again, uh, you know, I think if if our listeners are coming from a place where anything spiritual just has to do with Sunday and, you know, really doesn't permeate the rest of your life, you're missing out on, you know, like six days of favor. <laughs> I love it. that. Don't yeah. miss out on six days of favor. Exactly. And And so, you know, everything that we do can carry that. And, I think too and, you should collect those those stories for yourself. I'm a big believer in journaling. 
And you know, and 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 I sometimes use a structured way. I ask I ask questions of myself as I'm journaling. So, like, what risks should I be taking? What do I need to be more successful? Um, I, I ask myself those questions and kind of do some writing around that. It helps me to be a, a, a little more intentional with my journaling. But I think as as you as you start to collect your stories of favor, where rules were broken on your behalf, policies right. were changed, exceptions were made, you start to build up that expectancy for God. Because I think sometimes we just expect way too little of God. And when it kind of comes back, uh, you know, ask for what you need, ask God for what you need. Right. If you need more wisdom, ask. If you need more time, ask. If you need favor, ask. If you need resources, ask. So sometimes it starts with that piece, too. It's not just asking our colleagues for their help. Um, it's also asking God, what do you need to feel to be more, and not just to be more successful or effective, but to feel more satisfied, to right. feel more engaged? What do you need? Go ask. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you would talk about writing those things down because I, I had breakfast with someone on Saturday morning and was telling her just about all these amazing stories of favor that have been going on in my life. and. And she said, "Well, you need to write this down." So, and and so I I know that there's a book in this, and and it's called Diving into the Blue, and the blue is how many times have you said, just out of the blue, Dondi called me, or just out of the blue, mm, this happened, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, the blue has a name. <laughs> okay, it's, <laughs> it's not this amorphous thing. It's it is where God's favor is delivered to us. Uh. And uh, that's beautiful. So, yeah, yeah. No, I just love the picture that's unfolding. It's just amazing. Um, I, I do want to move on to the next chapter, though, because I think this is one. Uh, this is where people tend to get tripped up. Um, so, chapter five is about being clear in thought and deed, and and this has to do not only with consistency, but but really being true to who you are. And the the verse that you use uh, to start this chapter is from James uh, one eight. Uh, a double minded woman is unstable in all her ways, and that's of course um, tweaked for for the women listeners that we have. It can also be a double minded man. Um, but why is being clear on thought and deed so critical to being powerful? Well, I think that where this chapter goes is is really asking you to be uh, to be congruent, right? So that uh, that my tasks, for example, build to purpose, and that my purposes build to that larger strategy. That I'm deeply connected, and that what I'm saying and doing is all building towards those outcomes, those goals, and those results. So that I'm not tossed around by every wave and wind, um, and that I don't get lost in the weeds, and even the weeds of perfectionism, for example where uh, at some point making something better doesn't actually make it of more value um, so that I can really work really hard at making this thing perfect. I can, in, in my world, for example, it might be I've rewritten the chapter three three times or four times. And I finally had one of my editors say, you know what, Dondi, it's good. Move on. Right. Move on. Making it better doesn't necessarily at this point make it of more value. So really knowing that point, too, I think is uh, is important. At what point does making it better not make it more valuable? Stop there. So that also gives you permission to be really focused on the right things. 
I think that in the in the workplace um, and in life in general, sometimes we can work very, very hard on things that don't matter all that much. Maybe it's the Mary and Martha story again, you know, where uh, you know one woman is so busy, busy, busy with all the tasks, and the other one is just soaking in the presence of the Lord. Um, and 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 one thinking that she was, you know, doing all the right things, and the other one just being present to the moment. And I think that's hard for women sometimes. We can become so task driven. And that we lose sight of the purpose of those tasks. So that's part of what that chapter is really talking about. I also think that we have a tendency to second guess ourselves, right? And and to uh, so and and not trust ourselves. I think that God has gifted women with amazing intuition and a sense that um, if they will trust it and build it and develop it prayerfully, that it will that it will be a very good guide. But sometimes we don't even trust ourselves. So how can others trust us? How can we operate in that place of power, right, and confidence if we're constantly second-guessing ourselves? Right. And that right. chapter and, also, and you know, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that that clarity in who you are and that consistency. I mean, um, again, we sing a song on, on Sunday. It's about uh, God being unchangeable. And and uh, because of that, being unstoppable, and that, that that is who he is. And if we were created in his image, we also should be unchangeable. That when, when someone sees us in, in one light, uh, it, it's not going to look completely different. And I think that's what I was referring to when I was having this struggle of that I am perfectly comfortable in front of a large group. I'm perfectly comfortable leading and, and you know, uh, facilitating a meeting, um, you know, I love doing radio show interviews, but, you know, again, put me in that social situation with a bunch of people in a room, and all of a sudden I don't feel like I'm being clear about who I am anymore because Mm -hmm. I'm no different in that situation. So, you know, I I think that uh, just resting in the fact that even in that situation, I still am the same person. I still am who I am. I'm just not quite as comfortable. It's a different skill set, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it's a different skill set. I can so relate to what you're saying, and sometimes people don't believe me. They think that, oh, for Pete's sake, you're probably, how could you be more comfortable in front of a large audience than in front of two people? It's a different skill set. So it kind of gets back to what you practice. Right, you know. In, well, I'm okay in, in, with two. I'm just not okay with a room of twenty. You know, where I'm having to navigate <laughs> the room. I think I would this, just sit in a chair and let them come to me. And 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 again, that's not self-centered. It's just I'm so uncomfortable, you know, in that situation. But again, I I think in in looking at being a powerful woman of God and knowing that we can go back and and equip ourselves in whatever situation we're uncomfortable in and we can ask for what we want. So that's I right. That's All of these pieces kind of fold together. <laughs> and I also think that something you're doing right now is so powerful. It is just the the power of authenticity. And I think it's refreshing when women can talk like that and say, you know, there's a situation where I don't feel my power. Right. And I'm I'm looking for my power in that moment. I I think that even as we talk like that, we are exhibiting a refreshing power, the power that says I don't have to be in control of all things at all times and and feel perfect in all of my roles. And I'm willing to put myself in those places and be a little vulnerable to the moment. I think that's irresistible, actually. Mm-hmm. I love being around women who are able to to, to talk like that and to say, here's a place where. I just felt um, I, I didn't feel my power, 
and I felt uncomfortable, I felt vulnerable, I felt out of place. Because through that authenticity, you know, in communication, masks attract masks, and authenticity attracts authenticity. And I will, I, I love being around authentic women. I love being around women who just are very honest and open with who they are and what they're working on and, and uh, what, the, what they're working through. It's really, really, um, to me, very attractive. Right, right. So I also think that this chapter is talking about being strategic in terms of sometimes I think women are known as a little bit of a stereotype. We're very efficient and we're very task-driven. So I really encourage listeners to be a little more strategic um, in, in, in terms of what is the purpose behind the task and, and, and really connecting with that higher purpose. And so if I'm doing things that really in the end don't have a strong purpose to them, I have every right to then challenge that task and say, do I really need to be doing this? Um, is it that important? Because I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, again, be perfect in every role of our life every single day. Well, and I think we're also very additive. Uh, you know, we we don't subtract things out of our life. And, uh, good. you know, I've been, I, I'm being called into this new role. And as I mentioned uh, when we were off the air, I thought that it just had to do that with this new large resort development project in Willoughby Bay. And it turns out that's going to be the first of many. So I, I have to raise my sights even further and think, at a higher level even than that. But what I what I have been told and, and what I'm hearing in, in my spirit is I've got to clear the decks. I've got to go mm. through my office and throw away everything I'm never going to need again. So <laughs> and good. discover those things that I have been keeping that maybe now is the time. I mean I, I've got I subscribe to a whole bunch of hospitality magazines and I don't don't even know why. Uh, except for that I went to a conference a couple of years ago and they started sending me physical magazines. Well, I never threw them away. Well, now I'm going to be running a large resort. And so <laughs> I, as I look through the articles, it's like, oh, wow, that's interesting. And and so sometimes it's just not time for the things. And I think we mm-hmm. do need, um, you know, before we can be reignited to our passions, which is what uh, what the last chapter really focuses on of letting love reignite your world. And you may be talking about different kinds of love that I'm talking about, but, um, you know, the the love in our lives, love of what we do, love of who we're around, uh, love of God, I mean, just all of those things do reignite us if we clear away all the clutter of the Yeah, world. if we get, yes, that's so, that is so good. And the you're right on the, on target with the love that we're talking about. You know, I, I, in that chapter, I talk about remember, you know, remember the, the the job that you're in now. Remember when you applied for it. Remember when you prayed? Let you know, pick me. <laughs> let it be me. And they did. And now you're schlepping in there and chaining yourself to the desk, right? right? Sometimes we lose our love and we and we and our and our passion. You know, in the with the bureaucracy and the routine of things and the day to day, and we lose our freshness. And I, I think one of the greatest things that uh, I can give to any professional or in a, in a personal life too, if you will focus on the value that you can create right where you are, your opportunity is on her way because opportunity always follows value. And I think that that is really kind of getting back to a biblical principle of what you sow you are going to reap. And I think that um, what I, what I, how I take that is if I can just sow value if i can if i can create value and and what's exciting to me about the value that i can create is i'm i'm in charge of that value 
And God wants me to be valuable, and I am valuable in his eyes. And so in the relationships, my personal and professional relationships, in the, the product that I create or the chapter that I write or the blog that I design, whatever it is, I want it to have value. And as I drive value and focus on that, God is going to kick open the doors of opportunity for me and so that I can step through. And that's very refreshing. I do see a worn-out workforce. I see a workforce that is trying to do more with less, do it faster, do it at lower cost. We're pushing on all of the constraints of what would typically be the uh, you know, project measurements of quality, time, and money. We're trying to do it all. And I see a tired workforce. I see people, and often when I'm doing presentations, I'll ask, how many of you are just a little worn out on the, on, on the road? And a lot of people are. So it's kind of getting back to that sense of purpose, remembering not just I think it's I think I think it's possible to know what to do and know how to do it, but if you ever forget why you're doing it, it's over. So maybe that's getting back to the big why, you know, why I do what I do, why I do it with with um, you know the the excellence that I do it with, uh, because your why is the fuel uh, for for the engine, and if we lose sight of our why, the the, the work becomes kind of lifeless and it becomes routine and mundane and um, a burden. Well, and, and I think the conclusion of your book, which is, is really the call to strength, you use a verse from Ecclesiastes 10.10, which says, using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. And mm-hmm. that's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. And, and again, the metaphor of an axe is a little difficult for most women uh, you know, to get their arms around. But, you know, if if you just think about something simple, and I'm just going to use what happened to me this morning, uh, you know, as I was getting ready, is, you know, I was trying to use a dull razor to shave my legs. And, I, I mean, it was not taking even one hair off. It was gliding right over them. Like, <laughs> so, you know, what we've been talking about through this whole book are those things that allow you to sharpen the blade softening your inner dialogue is the first piece of really revisiting what you think about yourself because that's the reflection right and then you know empowering and equipping yourself figuring out that emotional side of things and 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 where you stand in your emotional intelligence asking for your want uh, what you want being clear then in your behavior and in how you reflect what you believe and who you are and then uh, getting reignited through love, and I, I, I just I love uh, your your story about that if you uh, can remember the day that you really wanted the job, pick me, <laughs> pick me, or with your husband, oh, is he going to call again? You know, and and that excitement, and now maybe you know, 23 years later, it's not not quite so uh, so romantic, but you know, it, it's time to reignite, and I think that that's what really makes us powerful is that that we are passionate. And we're passionate not only about our faith, but we're passionate about what we do and who we do it with and the people that we surround ourselves with. Dondi, Absolutely. Is, uh, we're coming right up on, on 1 o'clock, and I probably kept you longer than we promised uh, we would do. But the book is entitled A Softer Strength, Six Characteristics of a Powerful Woman of God. And, Dondi, I am just so happy to call you my friend and, uh, and just so pleased that uh, – 
that we had this time together to really shift to what powers both of us, and and that is uh, recognizing that God was the one who gave us all the gifts that we have, and I, I'm just so pleased to be able to use use mine uh, to connect with your gifts also. Oh, thank you so much. It is such an honor and always a great joy speaking with you, and it sounds like amazing, wonderful things are happening. Um, in your world. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about the well, book. Well, it's my pleasure. And and again, for those women, and, and this is actually the tagline on the bottom of the cover of Dondi's book, for women who feel weak and long for God's strength, if the things that we talked about on this show are things that you long for in your own life, I really encourage you to, you know, just go and download the book right now uh, to your Kindle or, or, you know, head out to your local bookstore if if uh, you like Dondi uh, like to retreat to the bookstore for your your quiet times. Uh, so again, a softer strength. The author is Dondi Scamacci. Dondi, can you tell folks how to best reach you if if they are having a uh, an event and they would love to have a powerful speaker? How can they get in touch with you? Certainly, I would love to hear from them. It's Dondi Scamacci dot com. So D O N D I S C U M A C I dot com, and I would love to hear from you. Thank you so well, much, Chicky. Terrific. Well, thank uh, thank you to Dondi, and, and thank you so much to all of our faithful listeners to this program. And, and uh, tell somebody else about it. We would love uh, to have you join us on future programs. And we've got quite uh, a uh, list of probably three or 400 programs now on the topics of leadership and innovation and growth and uh, and also faith and giving. Those are a couple of really important components of what we do as well. Dondi, have a great weekend, and thanks so much again uh, for giving us your time this morning. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. All right, terrific. Thank you so much.